everyone and welcome to Previously in the Multiverse. I am Peter and joining me is Connor. Oh, what's so funny about that already? I just, I think my intro's that good. It makes me laugh. I'm laughing at my own delivery of the intro. That, that's probably not a good thing. That's uh, like the height of unprofessionalism. <laughs> that's like worse than laughing at your own jokes. What, why don't we ever claim to be professional? Don't, don't... Um, we can try. That's like, that's like walking into a brothel and saying there's no sportsmanship. And? <laughs> and s- some might like to pretend. Yeah, okay, well, we're a comic book podcast, DC Comics. This is a sister show to Comics from the Multiverse, which is a show that we normally do every week, where we look at the new DC books, that's both of us plus Matt. However, of course, that's kind of on a hiatus right now due to the lockdown stuff, and we've got the quarantine in the multiverse instead, which is more quizzes and questions and other random chat. But uh, this is where we work our way through old DC Comics runs, and the runs we're working through and are got issues of this week uh, are Batman uh, from post-crisis. Uh, this week we're doing Batman issue. 405. Um, we got Wonder Woman from New 52, issue 8's this week. Uh, we have Mark Waid's The Flash with the issue 67 this week. Uh, we have the Birds of Prey, the original Birds of Prey run by Chuck Dixon, and we've got Birds of Prey Wolves one shot this week. Uh, we have GSA issue 7, part of Jeff John's GSA run. We have Superman 161 from Superman Emperor Joker. And then we have, finally, Batgirl issue 4 from the Brian Q. Miller, uh, Stephanie Brown Batgirl run. So uh, that is what's coming up on the show this week. So, um, we don't necessarily have to dilly-dally or delay or whatever. We can get straight into the books in question. Uh, so I said it last time. I joked last time I got whiplash from going from Batman Year One to Detective last week. Uh, going back again to Batman Year One. Again, whiplash in the other direction. I mean, my head's just been just flying it's back and forth. Yeah. yeah. So another big issue. A lot, a lot of stuff happening here. Um it's 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 funny how like i just settle back into it though like i, I get to that first page and see the art and immediately i'm just kind of like ah yes <laughs> this is it again yes yeah and and this is a i'm sure we spoke about this before we started year one but this is unique because at least uh, as far as i know neither of us ever read year one in any other way except just sitting down and reading the whole thing Yes, uh, which honestly, this worked really well as a single issue, as, as a separate chapter. I thought. Oh, I agree. It was oh, yeah. just a uh, you know, you say there, you oh, you you got right back into it. The fact that you even had to is kind of a unique situation for us. Yeah, um, yeah. It starts with the pouring rain again. The atmosphere of the city. Uh, Gordon having his trouble, and it sets up the uh the SWAT team that are kind of ruthless. Uh, Gordon looks hears about this this uh this hostage situation, and he he rushes over because. He he has to get there. He has to get there before Brandon and his men uh, go in. He even calls him the, the the lunatic Gestapo. That's what he actually calls him in his narration. Yeah, last time they didn't even leave the the statues standing. Yeah, and Gordon does the uh, you know the, he holds the gun up and he puts it in the ground and sort of makes it clear that he's going in. And he knows Barbara's watching at home. We see that, and he goes in and talks the guy down as best he can until he sort of, you know, subdues him just with his fists without any shots being fired. Takes care of it, um, and you know we hear the, uh, you know, like we hear that the, the the SWAT team are pissed about this because oh he humili- humiliated us. He went in there and took it on himself. He's bad for business, basically. Uh, and Loeb is like, yeah, I know, you know, you know, uh, you know, Flash has told me this a couple of times himself, but you know, we have to, we have to play it smart. 
the problem is he got the job done, so he, he, it looks good. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, there's a lot of montaging here as it's going through the dates and Gordon, like, you know, firing his gun. He doesn't want to be in violence, but he, he has to, because he says he hates his job multiple times. Uh, it's, it's really playing up just how much the city needs someone. <laughs> it needs the hope that Batman might bring it. <laughs> like, I, I think that's one of my favorite things about your one is just how much the city needs it. It needs someone. Um, oh, yeah. The place is an absolute shit uh, or, or more to the point G- Gordon needs needs him as well like as G- Gordon's like the one man trying to keep the city together you know try to stick to his his morals and his you know his ground yeah and, and it's all this personal stuff for him because obviously he's got a, a kid on the way and he's like this this can't be where they grow up yeah in fact I love because the first few pages are all Gordon right it's all Gordon 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 and at the end of his little montage, it wasn't even the end actually, because we went back to him. But there's a panel of him sitting uh, up at night, waiting by you know Barbara who's sleeping. And the last thing that he says in the narration in that panel is, you know, how how could I screw up so badly, bring an innocent child into into life in a city without hope? And the f- next panel, which notably is is not boxed thin like the other panels on the page, it's it's completely wide, so it feels it inherently feels more cinematic in a weird way. Because, it just feels bigger, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, it, it opens up a little bit more compared to all the panels on the page. And it's just this wide shot of the rooftops and the the cape, the you know, Batman running in his cape. And we've not even seen him yet in costume. This is like this the is, first glimpse. This is the fifth, fifth page of the issue before you even see a single panel with Batman or, or Bruce. Or yeah, for any, any, any variation of him. And I just, I love this idea, you know, like uh, what we've just said there, the city needs it, Gordon needs something. And even though Gordon obviously is not going to immediately see Batman as an ally, he's, there's going to be this this turmoil, there's going to be this arc, you know, into a city without hope. And the very first next thing you see, this is like an editing trick, this is like, a, you know, if this is a movie, this is cutting to the very thing that's going to answer what he just, what he's, you know, his yeah. concern that he just had. This is cutting to the thing that's going to address that concern. It's, it's moments like this that make this... Uh, one of those books that you can hand to anyone who has never read a comic before. Uh, you, you could hand this to someone who doesn't even like, who didn't have never seen a Batman movie before, and it would work because of just the way that narration is set up. You know, City Without Hope, bang, Batman for the first time in the issue. It, it's oh, okay, I get it. I understand what you're doing here. Yes, and I love that it's quiet. There's no narration. It's silent. It, you know, you, you get the impression of just the the visual of it, as opposed to because you, you could have easily have had uh, his last his last box that says "In a city without hope." That could have easily been on that panel. You know, they could have bumped that down to be the top of that panel, but they chose not to. They made a specific choice to have that panel be completely clean and just have the silence of the city nighttime kind of like vista as as Batman's running. It just it's the mood, it's the atmosphere, it's all these things, it's the narrative choices and structure and how to place things. And, you know, it's one of those things that we don't always talk about when we're talking about comic books, we don't always necessarily sit down and review the flow of the panels because sometimes it's worth doing, sometimes it's not. And this is an example to me that sticks out as just being really perfect, where they really put thought into it and it, it, it felt like a moment. I, I felt excited by it, even though I've read this a couple, you know, more than a couple, I've read this maybe like four or five times. And, I still get excited when it went to that panel. I was like, "Oh!" I, I would say even the the coloring of the the sky. So, like on on the mm. left hand side of the panel, it's it's dark, and you know it, it's it's still night regardless. But uh, the panel before, when it's Gordon, there's a, there's a full moon out, but the the sky is the dark blue color, like maybe a, maybe even a purple. It's like he's going towards the light in the sky. Yeah, and then this this panel with Batman, the first like left hand side of that is that dark color. And then it fades into this lighter blue, like it's like 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 the dawn's coming, and yeah, Batman's it, distinctly in that dawn side. 
to use a, a Batman related quote here, it's always darkest bef- just before the dawn, right? Not that they came up with that, but it was in Dark Knight. I, I thought it was yeah. applicable here. Uh, really good stuff. Uh, you know, and Barbara's helping him, giving him a massage. He's may have a night off. Uh, but of course, that, that's this is when the stories of the bat, there's some sort of giant bat is attacking people and we get the first fight scene. And I think what I love about this, and I know something that Matt loves actually, is when Batman's just not a complete badass and can do anything, like he, he is struggling here and he's making mistakes. And this the entire setup of this, this fight scene is that he's fighting on a fire escape and he knocks one guy over the edge. So he goes to grab him because he, you know, he says, I'm not a killer. I, I can't let him fall. And the entire time he's holding this guy, the other two, it's one in particular who, who he knows is more of a threat because he, he's sort of eyeing him up and sort of thinking about what his strike's going to be. He's like, he's going to strike me regardless of the fact that I'm holding this guy and if I let go, he's probably going to die. You know, we're high up enough that it's probably going to kill him. And Yeah, I mean, and you said the, the, this is that's the second guy who does that. The first guy tries to smack him in the back of the head with a TV. Yes. That's <laughs> uh, it tries. He does hit him in the back of the head with the TV. <laughs> You know, and I and I love that as this ends, and he's eventually able to pull the guy up and just knock him out, kind of on his own terms. Uh, and or even just the yeah, the, the time aspect of this of the TV falling and the TV landing on the ground, and it gives us an idea of how long the fall would have been. Uh, just beautiful little touches like that. It's, it's a great combination of how big the fall is, yet still okay. There's only a finite amount of time yet, so that's how quickly that he's processing this and actually doing this as well. It's a great way of doing both at the same time. Yeah, but the final panel of that scene, uh, which is like take up, takes up half of a page, is he, he, the final words in his narration are "lucky, lucky amateur." Like I love the idea that he is being so critical of himself. That he's he's not thinking I have to do this and I have to do this. He's like, no, I messed up there. I I I you know I am this is pathetic. I'm not doing good enough. Like yeah. uh, that mentality is so interesting. Uh, so and I haven't been too many attention too much attention to the dates at this point. But obviously we're kind of going through the year about, a bit quicker. Uh, month ahead of where we were then i think that was early april yeah um april, april 9th i just checked it was early april this is may 15th now yeah so so we're jumping ahead in time so batman's i love the uh, sketches in the wall behind gordon he's, he's given the speech of like what the batman might look like <laughs> yeah the first one is like basically man bat yeah so and flash is there and flash and what's so great about this is that obviously in the first issue we had the whole scene where gordon had to be off flash to sort of make it clear that he couldn't be picked on and Flash is sitting there with a neck brace on, and he's got like a broken arm. He's got a sling. Uh, he's like, no, oh, the Batman. He's like eight foot tall, and he's this, and he's supernatural. And he's an entity. And he's all this, and we get this scene where the rest of the squad room are basically giggling and laughing at him, uh, because he's you know he sounds like a, a scared child who, who's talking about this ridiculous thing. Uh, even the, the 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 dry humor here of him saying that, oh, I got a a random tip, an anonymous tip that there was a cocaine delivery happening so i was single-handedly apprehending the entire the entire mob that's why i was there <laughs> yeah and it's just him getting his cut <laughs> yeah and i i, I love uh where uh, i love his guards narration or his narration but he's like oh he, he waits for people to challenge him to see if anyone's going to say say anything because that's completely bullshit and they all know it's complete bullshit uh yeah but he, he, yeah, it's just in the narration. It's not anyone saying it. Um, but one of my, one of my favorite lines is um, one of the felons I had not yet disarmed produced a three fifty seven bag. Yeah, of course not. Uh, so good. Um, and obviously, this scene also introduces uh, Sarah Essen uh, into into the mix. Uh, she's there. 
um, and seems to be the only person in the room who, I mean, and it's only through a couple of simple actions, but she seems to be the only one in the room who's actually in support of Gordon, whereas everyone else is clearly uh, waiting to be impressed. Yeah, it's just that someone's like, she likes his cigarette for him. Yeah, and even just the, the, the way she's looking at him, because like, uh, the first time you see her, uh, or the second panel you see her, and she's just kind of looking over at him uh, mm. as, as he's looking down at Flass. Uh, and then we get this big, big scene where Batman infiltrates the, the mayor's mansion, uh, and the mayor's got, you know, Falcone there. In fact, this is the first time we even properly see Falcone. I don't think we saw him in the first issue, right? Uh, I don't think so, no. Yeah. And, you know, it's like, no, this Bat character's doing this and this, this, that, and they're basically dismissing him, and Batman's doing detective work, he's outside, and then he makes his big grand entrance. Um, but obviously what's really noble here is that he keeps hearing uh, complaints about Gordon. He's like, you know, I keep hearing about this Gordon, you know? Um, like, like he he's pissing off all the right people, and that's kind of what's letting Batman know that he's maybe someone that could either be trusted or be an ally, or at the very least is not someone that should be on his target list. Yeah, he's so far, he's like, well, that's a cop I can assume is honest, at least. Yeah, uh, so really good. Um, but yeah, so it's just, as, the, as they're gloating, it's like, ah, everything will be fine, you know, as long as the people of Gotham are, you know, think they've got this hero, they'll ask fewer questions, and we don't have to worry about anything. Uh, they mention Harvey Dent, you know, is, is, is pushing for convictions and, and things like that. Yeah. And Batman throws in a smoke grenade. He cuts out the lights and says, it's showtime. Yeah, uh, and we get the, uh, the the famous panel of him in the smoke in silhouette, uh, saying, it's "Ladies, still gorgeous, isn't it? Oh, it's beautiful, ladies, gentlemen, you have eaten well." Uh, the double meaning in his, his sentence there is, is wonderful, uh, yeah. and there's no light, so one of them like they've got like a like a barbecue like in the room, and they left it to reveal the flame, and the flame kind of lights them from underneath. Uh, which is, it's always been a weird palette to me because it always, every time I see it, just at a glance, it looks like he's got a mustache. <laughs> yeah, okay, that's what you, that's what you say. Every time it's I see this panel, it, it looks like he's got a mustache. Yeah. It not reflects shadows. Yeah, the shadow, yeah. Uh, but yeah, but it's just Batman, like, sort of declaring war on them, essentially. You know, your feast is over from this I, moment I on, one of you are safe. He himself just to show them enough for them to be scared. Mm-hmm. Like, because obviously, you know, he cut the lights himself, but there's just this enough light to give it this dramatic effect and then shuts it out completely. Well, it was a power play. He's showing that he can get to them. The fact that he infiltrated their mansion where they feel the most safe yeah. is like, you know, I can get to you. You have to be worried. So there's like one day of May 20th where Lowe's just yelling at Gar, you have to get this idiot. You have to get this vigilante. Like, we know, like, we can't dismiss him anymore. Uh, and then, so we see that they're actually setting traps where they've got, I think it's Essen, like, pretending to be mugged, uh, and yeah. it's, it's all a ruse, but Batman's just watching, going, they're putting a lot of effort into these traps. Like, I'm not falling for this. <laughs> it's good stuff. And meanwhile, you're seeing Falcone being tied in his bed, and be like, oh, we have to get this Batman idiot. He dies. He's done. Um, and we even get that Batman is talking to Dent, and Gordon even thinks Dent might be Batman. He's, he's like, looking at his weight, you know, he's, he's, he's weights and he's like, oh, you, you work out? Ah, got to keep in shape, mm-hmm. eh? <laughs> like, you know, it's just stuff like and that. And then, then this is where we see, no, no, no. Batman's already got a, a relationship here with, with Yeah, he's hiding behind the, uh, the the desk, which is important because Batman's going to show up in a minute. And it's actually, it's very, it's, it's something that could feel really convenient, except for the fact that we know Batman was literally right where Gordon was. Like, he's in the vicinity. Uh, it yeah. really sets that up. Uh, and also, this is the first scene as well that Gordon's attracted to Sarah S. And um, 
and you know he's having some thoughts and you know, obviously like you know he says he could kiss her it's it's, it's kind of an awkward moment and I, I think you know before until we get to the other issues we can't go into it too much but like i, I think there is something to be said to you that, that gordon who is up until this point almost being this like goody two-shoes beacon of light for the city who does not break the rules i think it's as a interesting and perhaps necessary tactic to give him a flaw to show that he is human and there yeah because it is undoubtedly shitty right uh, yeah uh, he, he's i mean not just you know it's fine for him to to feel this way at the moment like you know it, it's he's not doing anything at the moment but you know like you say he has to have a flaw and when he has a very pregnant wife at home yeah maybe don't go looking at the other women and i think what's genius about this issue because the last issue we didn't really get any of his wife but this issue we have the whole montage at the start where she's you know rubbing his neck and like try to be there for him and cooking him dinner and yeah it really you know makes us sort of like come to appreciate what she is in his life so it makes us feel doubly bad when he has this kind of quick thought here uh but this this uh truck you know almost rams them uh rams for this uh this homeless person who's got a, got a shopping trolley and Gord- and what's so great about this is that you know batman sees this happening we see him on the rooftop in silhouette sort of here this is happening he, he leaps down into action gordon's going to do the same thing and what's beautiful about this is that it's showing you that they're both they're both alike well they're both leaping to action immediately i love that they take different approaches as well though like so gordon oh, yeah. actually doesn't go for the person he goes to to the, the truck he's like trying to get in it to the wheel and turn it mm. Out of the way, whereas as Batman just dives to get the person out of the way, but no, but notably Gordon is doing this while he's still in the car, and he's like, "Ashen, take the wheel," and he's trying to like, you know, he's he's still being reckless in a in a. In a oh, yeah, he he jumps know. out of the car and he he jumps out of a moving car onto the next fan. And, and notably, and- uh, the art here, both his actual leap and Batman's leap down are both in silhouette. They're they're coloured the same way to show that they're doing similar heroic acts at the same time. And to yeah. show that they're two you know, that they're they're two peas in a pod. Like, and, like, and both use a a light as well as a, as an anchor point that the that so you know Gordon's leaving to the you know as the headlights and, and Batman's using the street light. Yeah. Um, yeah and, and then of course it's very similar. And Gordon says, you know, it's over, I've blown it. But then of course and this is kind of setting up the entire point of year one, right? Is that Gordon is trying his best and he will accomplish a lot but when he can't quite get the job done, Batman can be there to do it. That's kind he's of the got, whole he's point. He's got the backup got him covered. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and even though he doesn't know it yet, this is the first big example of it. And of course, all the traps have not worked to capture Batman, but that's because he knows they're traps. This is someone who will actually die if he doesn't leap in, so he leaps in. And this is what leads us to a cliffhanger where Essen's got the gun on him, all these other cops show up, um, and they go after him. And he gets shot in the leg, he runs into a building, and unfortunately for Gordon and Batman, uh, he gets the call that Brandon and his goons are being called in, which again was con- was, was, was I almost say conveniently. Conveniently is not the word. Uh, uh, expertly was was introduced earlier in this issue, so that we understood who they were and what a big deal this was. Um, and the helicopter yeah. starts dropping fire bombs on the set, so the the coloring goes nuts as we have the obviously the orange and the yellows but there's even a bit of pink in there just to give it a kind of there's a, there's a pink and a purple it's, yeah. it's extreme yeah um, it is because you know the, the building lights out was already due for demolition so no one's in there so other than maybe a few derelicts as as uh it points out yeah which is i mean fairly dark already um well no, what i love about it 
though is that you know he he he's Gordon's assured that oh there's no one in there because it's demolition other than maybe a few derelicts the person that both him and Batman just went out of their way to try and save was a homeless person which is exactly the type of person who would be in an abandoned building it's it's beautiful the way the way that they both leap to save this person and then immediately the commissioner the mayor whoever are just writing off oh there may be some homeless people in there but it doesn't matter well, they're like, ah, a couple less homeless people to worry about. Yeah. And it just it shows, again, their attitude being the same, but also different from everyone else. It's beautiful stuff. Final page is the... Uh... Oh, actually, that was the final page. Was that the final? I don't know. It's hard, it's no, hard no, to no tell. the final page is the uh, the, the squad walk squad. In, right? I wasn't sure if that was the cover of the next issue or the final page of this one, to be honest. It could have been either. <laughs> uh, that's a good point. It, 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 honestly, like I, I, could, I, I think it may be the cover. I, I want to say that's the cover of the next issue. It is actually you're right. Yeah, the explosion it, it, itself is the final moment. Yeah, it works for both. It does. It actually does work for both. Uh, but clearly, uh, fantastic issue. Uh, honestly, some of the small things we were pointing out there on the art, I wasn't even thinking about when I was reading it. It was just as we were sitting dissecting it that I'm looking at it, going, "Oh, hey, that's really smart." They're just even if you're not consciously aware of, that's what they're doing. That's what good storytelling is. Is that I mean, we we love to sit and dissect it because we love. Revealing it and discovering it and like sort of thinking about it, but good storytelling for most people who just consume it is just there under the surface, and you know. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's like there are movies that that we, you know, we've done reviews for uh, that I've watched, you know, ten, fifteen times before, and enjoyed a lot. And I'll then okay, I'll do a review, so I'll watch it with a more critical eye. I'll actually pay attention to the tricks that it's doing, and. I mean, those tricks are there, whether you're watching for them or not. They're working on you, whether you're watching for them or not. Yeah, and yeah, because in some ways you, you'll notice some more stuff in a movie you've seen 15 times already because you're thinking that way. And then I think there's also some things that both of us won't even realize until we talk about it, where even though we've seen it 15 times and we've looked at it critically, it's not until we actually start firing the ideas back and forth that we get to the point where we go, oh, wait, it did this really smart thing. Um, yeah, I mean, there are so many things that we've reviewed across all mediums that we do that where we've we've said you know we we came into it with this opinion like we were going to give this an eight out of ten but after talking about it we actually like it more now after you know a half hour 40 minute conversation or sometimes it less it's always that's also possible yeah yeah we've talked ourselves down as well yeah. but uh, you know just having that that discussion and actually kind of developing those ideas has, has changed our opinions yeah uh so once again, this uh, kind of proved to me why year one, when I hadn't read it in a long time, is kind of the special book that it's you know, sort of, and for me, is definitely better than Dark Knight Returns. I, I think it's the better of the two. I probably said that last time, but I'll say it again because this was fantastic. I mean, I <laughs> I will say that as well on a, a gut reaction from memory, but it has been years since I read Dark Knight Returns. So I always loved the first issue of Dark Knight Returns and wasn't in love with the rest of it. That was always my feeling with it. Um. That's fair. I oh. I liked it. I think I like it more than you do in general. Then the animated movie is uh, really good, though. I'll just I'll oh, that's so good. But I mean, I'm sure we'll get to Dino Returns at some point on this show. Yeah, I'll probably like a vote one that goes at the, the the you know the end, the final slots rather than because obviously we're already past it in yeah. terms of this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, in terms of the yeah. you know when we like one of the vote slots at, at the minute is uh, you know Emperor Joker. That's mostly going to be miniseries, shorter runs, things like that. Um, Dan and I returns that that'll slot in there at some point for a vote, I'm sure. Yeah. All right, what are you giving this issue? Uh, it's a nine. Yeah, nine out of ten. I'll give it that too. 
Uh, all right, we'll move on then to Wonder Woman issue eight. Brian Azzarello writing Cliff Chang on the art, and Wonder Woman goes to hell, and it's London. Yeah. Sounds about right, I guess. It's <laughs> gorgeous, is what it is. Uh, no, it's to be very, fair, it, London is pretty hellish. It, it's pretty. I mean, it's a very pretty book. I'm, I'm not going to argue it, but I mean, you know, that, I'm not in love with this this run. That's been clear last few issues. Yeah. Uh, so. Yeah, we, we have a few pages at the start with them uh, still with Hephaestus, uh, you know, gearing up for hell. Is is you know? Hey, don't you want some guns? You know, come on. You know, gu- guns are just more modern. They'll they'll pack more of a punch. And uh, and she's like, no, no, no. I've been trained. I'll be good. But uh, he does insist on on giving Eros his handguns. Uh, big big like fifty cal pistols <laughs> by the look of them. Yeah, which comes in handy later when she uh, trades them <laughs> for, for Zola. Yeah, I, I feel like Hephaestus maybe maybe had an idea of where this was mm. going because he makes a point of saying, don't worry, she'll bring them back. Yeah. And he's like, won't you, Wonder Woman? Of course not. Yeah, I will say, I did like the visual of, because once they get to hell, uh, the statues kind of like almost shed their layer of concrete to reveal like kind of like these skinless like men and horses uh, underneath. Yeah, they're like flayed men. Yeah. Um, at first I thought it was going to be a centaur, and then it's like, oh, no, no, it's just a man on a horse, and it's kind of more terrifying because of that. Yeah, no, really good. Uh, good art stuff love, there. You know, because you know, this is hell, so we've got you know, the, the the just the blood red sky at all times. Uh, it gives it this great eerie atmosphere throughout. Yeah, uh, but they end up going through the forest to get to the house where Zola is, uh, and she's got longer hair and says, "Oh, I knew you'd come eventually after the first weeks and months, even though it was hard." And Wonder was like, "Wait, it's been like a week or, or whatever." I mean, she doesn't actually finish her sentence, but it's not been long. You know, it's, they 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 made a point of trying to figure this out immediately, uh, so time yeah. has moved differently. Yeah. Hermes seems to be aware of this because he cuts her off before she reveals how long it's been. So it's been too too long. No, we'll, we'll get you out of this place. Yeah, almost implying to me that there may be a time jump when they come back out. Uh, mm, could be. But they, they, you know, they'll they'll be in here for like an hour, but that'll be like five weeks or something. And. In real, in real world, uh, yeah, it could be, yeah. which is actually not unlike a certain head television show, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, oh, and its rules uh, set up in the episode Anne in season three, uh, and then was later used to great effect in Angel a couple of times. Uh, so that was that's was the thing. Uh, but yeah, so yeah, Hades shows yeah. up and doesn't. It's wa- basically like, hey, you know, you, you brought in one soul, you can take out one soul. Yeah, uh, he accepts the guns for trade. Uh, so it does, but then of course Hades, being the little shit that he is, goes to shoot Wonder Woman. She goes to do the uh, the cross arm pose to block the bullet, but it goes right through the gauntlet, right through the wrist, and into her chest. And it she's... is a it is a godly weapon after all. Yes, of course, and uh, yeah, so they they actually beam out and leave her behind. Uh, Zola doesn't want to, of course, but this is the you know so no get her out. This is what we came for. Go. So Wonder Woman's still in hell. And yeah, that's and, and the final line is Hades, can't you see she's in love? Which, uh, I, again, I'm going. I, I don't remember like the the particulars and details of this run here right now. So, but I mean, these are Eros's guns. Who is, mm-hmm. um, I mean, you know, basically Cupid, right? Uh, so uh, these guns are they the replacement of his bow and arrow in a modern era? You know, has she just been shot with a, a love bullet essentially? I, I I would assume so. So he's got himself a wonder braid. Yeah, because he, he makes a point of saying, hey, there's going to be a wedding. Um, so, 
yeah i mean i i like this issue more than the last couple i thought it was more focused the art was obviously really good i like the simplicity of just it's a trip to hell fight a big thing it flowed quite well um i'm still not like any higher on the, the run though like i you know like i i, I think my, my my taste is just kind of settled that this isn't my thing uh that's fair. I, and i'm just kind of rolling through it but uh, i think this is a this this might be my favorite issue so far it's so focused i love the atmosphere of hell i love uh, i love i love the outfit that, that one woman's wearing in this one like the, the the armored plates and stuff on the shoulders and the arms mm. uh looks great yeah what are you giving it uh i'm gonna give it a 8.5 i'm really into this one yeah i'll give it a six yeah so it's all put together uh but that takes us to the Flash, issue 67. Mark Wade Wright and Greg LaRocque is back on the art. Obviously, he skipped an issue, the Aquaman, uh, you know, guest starring issue. Uh, so this issue has the uh, Abracadabra uh, showing up, and we start to weave in more of the future stuff, which doesn't actually connect to like, what was done in the specials, but uh, definitely something that Mark Wade is going to be playing with is uh, the future timeline and yeah. uh, sort of that. So you have Abracadabra who shows up at the start, uh, through a, through a random dude's top hat, uh, and immediately gets he's like ah people remember, and then gets really pissed when he sees that Abracadabra is advertised for some charity thing that the Flash is doing, and it gets livid. I mean, don't see his face notably here; it, it shields us from his face the entire time. Uh, yeah, we don't get to see very it. Important. Yeah. Uh, and so we go to this. It's like a charity basketball game, and or at least this part is a basketball game. It's, it's Wally basically beating an entire basketball team on his own because <laughs> he's got super yeah. speed. It, it, it seems to be you know all all various heroes or powered people just do their own. Like hey, here's a trick that I'll do. Yeah, Pied Piper, who's a good guy here uh, in this part of the timeline, uh, is there to help. Linda's there. Uh, Wally's wolfing down hot dogs, and Linda's disgusted by the whole thing. <laughs> um, so it's all very delightful Wally stuff, and I, I think you know it's. it's it's fun to get to like these sort of quiet beats and some some of the issues in the run where you know we've done the origin story uh we had the kind of our, our kind of fill-in sort of story with Aquaman, right and this is kind of like okay we're back to kind of what the run's going to be so this is kind of our first glimpse to see okay what are the arcs going to be like now that we're back in you know present day wally's the flash what are we doing here and so ha- yeah. having like okay so we've got the ongoing kind of you know romance with linda at play uh this charity work uh, and then, although I did, there was a line here from uh, Wally that I thought was a bit harsh. Uh, this guy called himself Abracadabra shows up, and Wally turns around to him and says, "Did I ask you get lost? Okay." And I'm like, "All right, Wally, I get you don't like him, but <laughs> that's that felt like a pretty jerky line." <laughs> uh, yeah, to be fair, the guy was a bit of a dick. We can't caught your act. It was cute, but that's that's, that's pretty demeaning. Yeah, I mean, he's he's got another sort of snarky line later, but the the one later kind of worked better for me in the context of the scene. If it felt like it was snarky but in character and kind of in the moment, uh, felt justified. Uh, so this abracadabra does his big magic trick for the crowd. He's got all these uh model assistants with big playing cards, and he does his thing. But then, of course, uh, the real abracadabra makes him set <laughs> catch fire, and while he goes into like douse the flames, runs around, does some tornadoes. Yeah, all thing. It's too late. It's too late. Well, the guy's been put in the card. He's he's become one of the playing cards. Yeah, but seemingly on fire within the card as well, which yeah. I thought was a pretty horrific touch. 
Yeah. Uh, so uh, one of the things that Wally really sets up here in his, his narration, uh, probably even before this, is that he sets up, okay, Abracadabra doesn't actually use magic. He has technology from the future, which is so advanced that it seems like magic, but he's not actually a magician, which I think is really important to note just because as the issue goes on and he keeps like claiming he's like, you know, the best, greatest, you know, magician ever and Houdini was a, a fraud and all that. It's like, well, so are you. <laughs> like, yeah. What what I really like as well is it, it establishes that, that Wally, he's not even up to date on regular present day stage magic right sure, yeah because uh, you know this card uh, this trick with the cards he's like yeah i've seen it before and i have to admit i, I don't even know how it works but it, it, you know he's like it, it does he's supposed to vanish but i don't get it and if he doesn't get regular stage magic now how does he you know comprehend something from like six thousand years uh, five, about four thousand years in the future yeah so let me actually finally get to see uh you know actually i like this as well wally uh saying that you know, a lot of Barry's old foes, you know, they're kind of lame and goofy, but Abracadabra's not one of them. I, I kind of like this idea that, like, you know, if some of them pop up as little, like, guest stars for, for a joke, like, it's kind of set mm-hmm. up that Wally kind of acknowledges them as that. Uh, but we finally see Abracadabra, and he looks grotesque. He's, he's all burned, and his face is mangled. Uh, you know, he's kind of like Abracadabra crossed with, like, Freddy Krueger. <laughs> he's he's kind of my best. That's <laughs> my best. pretty good, uh, uh, you know, descriptor. Yeah. So, and was okay, it's showtime. So he tries to take him on, and Abracadabra uses some of his tricks uh, to. I also, I like how that's off. the second issue so far this week where someone has used it's showtime. That is true. Yeah, that's true. Uh, it's kind of funny how we had like two issues with Scarecrow last last week as well. Yeah. Uh, we keep having these weird uh, parallels showing up. But no, one of my favorite parallels of the whole issue is the close up of his eyes. Uh, uh, Abracadabra, that is, you know, when he, he sort of tries to. He, 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 kind of wraps up the judges the, the male judge says something isn't like uh or the guy in the hood it's he, the, the houdini thing yeah the guy yeah. says the guy says uh you know because because no one knows this is, is the show yet they all still they all still this is part of the show right they don't, they don't realize there's a real threat in front of them and he yeah. says something about comparing it to houdini and the bottom of that page the panel of abracadabra's eyes it rules like a horror movie villain smirking and like I, I love just the hint of the smirk with the yeah. teeth that you can see in the bottom of the panel like there's there's only like maybe three or four teeth on show, but it's just enough that you really get the sense of that evil grin. Yeah, it's a skull as well, so these eyebrows are angled. It just all of it yeah. feels uh, just sinister and grim. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, really, really good. Um, and, he, and even oh, a couple of pages later as well, when he sort of like, he's, he's sort of monologuing maniacally at the bottom of the page, and he's sort of got that thing where he's got one eyebrow up, but his skin's kind of gone, so it's just kind of like horrific. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I love it's... how like his skin's all gone, but he, his, his eyebrows are there, and he's got the big long mustache and and like the, the goatee. Oh, I love it. It's great. It's great. Uh, so so while he's still trying to run around, deal with these tricks and whatnot, and it's right around then when this new character shows up with a weird gun I think thing. Just before she shows up as well, though, he's got such a monumental moment where he's like you know wave of his hand and he'll kill everyone here unless mm. i kill him first i've got about one tenth of a second decided yeah, right, yeah. to actually take a life that's such a huge moment to, for him to be considering absolutely yeah i shouldn't have glossed over that 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 is uh like yeah if i don't take him out he's going to kill all these people the fact that this entire crowd became you know almost dead is, is kind of a big deal like it almost became like a mass murder like in a moment uh, yeah, this is that moment where he has to decide: Do I let him do this and and try and stop him, or do I 
or do I do I take him out? It, it's do you know what this is. This is a, a good version of what is supposed to be the final beat of a uh, Man of Steel. <laughs> yeah, kind of. <laughs> oh dear. Yeah. Uh, so. Yeah, so Wally, in trying to intervene, actually inadvertently saves Abracadabra. And, like, him and this this woman who's shown up, who's clearly from the future. Like, there's no question, I think, when she shows up that she's clearly from the future. Her technology, the weird clothes she's wearing, it's just, it's obvious. Just the colour of the, the gun uh, yeah. that when she shows up. Like, you know, it's all this this light beams around it, and you're like, okay, this is, this is futuristic as shit. Yeah, we get this really interesting uh, sort of premise that comes from her as well, is that... She's here to get Abracadabra, and they they actually sent him to this time period on purpose because he was so reckless that he, he didn't fit into the sort of, like, you know, Star Trek-like society that they've got in the future. And he's like, well, people of his own kind can take care of him because this era was particularly reckless. Everyone was off their heads, all these superheroes running around. She, and Basically, they were like, just go throw him in Arkham Asylum. <laughs> kind of. Like, you can deal with it. You're better equipped because you're you're full of these nut jobs in your time period. Uh, yeah. And he's like, wait, if you came back to get him now, like, why not just go back to when he first appeared? And she basically explains that, well, the time travel's like not that accurate. Like, they could only sort of estimate within about 10 years of where he landed. So, or when he landed, I should say. Uh, so that's yeah, why she's shown it, up it's, now. It's because it's such a big time jump that you know, if, if they were only going back a, you know, 100 years, they could be much more precise. But because they're going back thousands, it's like, yeah, uh, we can get pretty close, and it's only because we we could follow exactly where he was that we can get as close as we did. Yeah, so it flashes, grabs her, runs off to try and help find them, uh, see if they can track him down. Uh, they go through a bunch of places. Uh, she's kind of directed them, uh, and they end up actually on uh, the city, the city between the two cities. That's uh, the city, sorry, the bridge between the two cities is what I was trying to say. Because. Uh, what was that? Yeah, because Keystone, of course, and Central City are twin cities with a, a bridge. I think the Golden Gate Bridge, essentially, or the Brooklyn Bridge, maybe, connecting them. Uh, maybe a better yeah. comparison. Um, and, you know, he's on top, and he's basically going to essentially, like, murder the city. <laughs> like he's, yeah, he's kind of, like, going to blow it up, kind of. Yeah. He wants to destroy the entire and, city. And she's like, oh, that's great. He'll exhaust all his power, and then it'll be really easy to capture. Yeah, and Wally's like, no, 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 I, I have to stop him. We, we can't just let people die. And she's like, yeah, but everyone here's history. It's fine. <laughs> and all I could think was, yeah, but what if one of these people's your ancestor? Isn't that going to be like a, an issue? <laughs> just, you know, yeah. butterfly I mean, effect, all that. It depends what the time travel rules are right now. Yeah. Uh, so it was all sorts of things because he's, he's up on top of the, uh, the, you know, the, All the cable, area, you know, all the cables, like up top of the the arc. <laughs> what do you call that part? I don't, I don't know the technical word. The yeah. support beams. Ah, right, whatever you call it. Someone's going to tell us in the comments. Probably. We, I, we I, have bridge experts. I, I know there's at least a one bridge aficionado in our audience who's going to tell do, us. Do we actually have a have a bridge fan? I don't think so, but <laughs> there's got there's got nah. a bridge. I mean, he likes bridge, but he prefers go fish. That was bloody terrible. That was a quality joke. You know it was a quality joke. It's just the arch. It's just the arch. Oh, there you go. Okay, top of the arch. There you go. Uh, so, of course, uh, Wally has to go in and try and save everything. But the big ending is is that when he tries to grab Abracadabra, uh, she fires her, her weird time gun thingamajig, 
and there's a flashlight and you know what's going to happen here before you turn the page like oh my god you know what the cliffhanger is going to be you turn the page and it's a two-page spread where she's went to the future along with abracadabra but wally's been taken for the ride so we're in the future now in this weird colorful future there's people like floating around in these weird triangles <laughs> and wally's just like oh crap <laughs> yeah it's uh it's unique looking yeah do you know what? the design of uh her mask really makes me think of uh like a teenage mutant ninja turtles villain or something like that from the cartoon like i'm getting like bebop and rocksteady it goes over a nose probably uh although i'm not sure why she looks bald in the final panel um that's a good question uh did her hair get burned off in the time travel maybe yeah maybe yeah, which by the way, they mentioned that this, just to explain why Abracadabra came back in the first place is that uh, he 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 thought he because part of the reason he wants to kill everyone in the building is because he wants to just pull off the greatest trick ever by killing everyone in the building and bringing them back to life because he thinks he can do that and he thinks he can do that because he technically thought he died and came back to life but what actually happened was he he just got caught in like a time stream until his technology that was malfunctioning fixed itself and that's why he came back when he did it wasn't that he actually cheated death shenanigans basically yeah, shenanigans but I, I thought i'd mention that that was, that was his motivation so it wasn't even just that he wanted to kill a room full of people it was or an arena full of people it was oh no i want to do the greatest trick ever and all i could think is like yeah and then when they don't come back you're gonna be like oh well oops a daisy <laughs> that sounds about right for him it does doesn't it uh i had fun with it sure how did you feel yeah i thought it was a. Uh, it was pretty good um I think it was a. It's an interesting start to the the run proper, as I'm going to say, because you know, the the origin was okay. Let's just kind of let's uh, get our feet wet. You know, get some backstory going. And the last issue was basically just a fill in before we can actually really get, get his feet wet. Yep, exactly. I'll let you have that one. Uh, uh, but this is you know, it, it's the start of the run essentially, <clears throat> and. Um, uh, it it kind of feels that way. It's like okay, here's here's the status quo. This is where we are. Here's a villain. We're gonna play with a villain that you know first, and and kind of play with some big hits. But we're gonna put a twist on it, and you know, do something new and unique at the end. And if this was the first issue of something, we we talk about we talk all the time about first issues and having that extra hook at the end. And I think this really succeeds by having okay, but now he's in the future, and it's in like a really far future. Um, so it, it completely inverts the the standard story trope that we have with Abracadabra showing up, and it, it's pretty interesting for that reason. Yeah. Yeah, we give it. Uh, I'm gonna give it an eight. Yeah, I'll, I'll agree with that. Give it a solid eight. Yep. Uh, that'll take us on to Birds of Prey Wolves issue one, next one shot in this uh, series of one shots. Chuck Dixon writing with uh, Dick Giordano on the art, and. This, you know, follows on quite rightly because you know, we left them in a place of sort of, you know, kind of like tensions were rising between Dinah and Babs and they were kind of ready to have some big talk and you know, this issue starts and they've not really had the talk yet. They're, they're kind of finishing up some other little mission and Dinah complains that it's not really what they were kind of supposed to be doing because they're at like a car factory and they're... Yeah, it's like Toyota or something, isn't yeah. it? And it's not really, you know, that important. They're just kind of finishing off a job. And then it's like, no, we need some time apart. And it's like, and Dinah, unlike, unlike before, where she's just taking the, the comms off without, and, and like a rage says, okay, I'm going to take off the comms and we can go, we can do our own thing for a bit, right? Uh, so we get this issue, which is actually the two of them being separated for most of the issue. And Babs has a plot and Dinah has a plot. 
uh, especially how how uh, men are, are shit <laughs> in both plots and right away. Uh, and I'm not, I'm not, that's not a complaint for the record. Uh, I'm okay with men being portrayed as shitbags because a, a lot of them are. Uh, so, um, yeah, so it shows that they're both kind of like just kind of sad about the, the separation, if you want to call it that. But so it's, these are both essentially rebound guys. Yeah. Dinah goes to a, a video rental store, uh, just to date the comic a little bit. Uh, and, there's a lot of name dropping on here where the, the guy offers oh, we got the new Seagal and she, she's like oh please um, I, I get a you know chuckle out of that myself um, sure but yeah so you know that, that leads to her ex-husband showing up or her first husband <laughs> um, who I have to admit I'd read this issue before a long time ago but I'd forgotten she had a first husband like bef- you know before like she was with Ollie yeah, or anything like that uh, I'd forgotten entirely, and I hadn't read this before. It was something that I, I think I knew at some point. Like, yeah. Once I was reading it, I was like, oh, yeah, that, that's ringing a bell. Probably but... not in continuity now, because of the de-aging and all that from Flashpoint. And... I mean, I'm not even sure her mother's in continuity right now. Yeah, probably. Uh, whereas Babs goes to a bookstore and gets really pissed off at the clerk for trying to help her, because she feels that she's, you know being overly helpful because she's in a wheelchair and it's, it's a sort of, i've actually seen that behavior I mean, my father was in a wheelchair and i i saw examples of this where they get frustrated if you offer them too much help they, you know, they're yeah. like oh you treat me like i'm helpless or you know they, they have that mentality and which makes sense you understand why they, they kind of go down that path there's there's part of this that really confuses me because mm-hmm. she says oh yeah women's studies on the second floor can i help you to the elevator and i get why she's really annoyed about that oh you know i don't need the help to the elevator and she says, I don't want women's studies. I'm like, well, then why was she directing to women's studies? That's so... Do I actually agree to an extent with this, is that I actually assumed she said that because that's what she asked about, because it happened off panel. And then she says, I don't even want women's studies. I'm like, oh, that was an assumption as well? That's that's a weird assumption to me. Yeah, like, like you know, helping people in, in, in the wheelchair is... Uh, you know, the people, it's, it's well-meaning. You know, it, it's not malicious, but it happens, right? And I get why she's lashing out. Uh, especially in the mood that she's in, the women's study like that's such a reach. Like, what, what, like the only thing I think of is is she in here before and she's seen her looking at women's studies? Did she overhear a mention? Women's studies? Like, why would you jump to that? It's, I, I think because it's, it's going for the thing where someone is. It's just like a woman walks into say like a hardware and like. DIY place, and the person at the door immediately says, oh, the kitchen section's over there. That, that's kind of what the moment they're going for here, right? Where she's making this assumption. But I feel like there's actually more kind of traditional, like, you know, women-centric focused genres. Like, like the, the romance section, for example, I would say would be the more obvious thing to do this joke with. It'd be yeah. like, you know, oh, you, uh, you want the uh, the soppy romance section. No, I don't want and the soppy honestly, romance section. that would have actually played so much better not just because it would have not been confusing, but that would have played off Dinah's beat fantastically. Sure. Where the guy's like, hey, we got all these action movies. And she's like, how about so, you know, she, she really crest. I can't remember who she uses, but, you know, it's like, oh, so you want something with a romance. Yeah. And it's this subversion for Dinah. And so this here, by doing the complete opposite, by going, hey, do you want the romance section? Uh, would have really worked. But women's studies, that, that's so specific. <laughs> just i don't get it yeah I, I, yeah it's just, it's such a small thing it's not a big deal it's just 
a weird little yeah. line uh, in the moment. It just, it just threw me so much, though. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, uh, you know, we see that, that Craig, uh, the, the ex-husband, wants help from Dinah because he's in trouble. And did, did you actually remember his name, or did you happen to just read it when you skimmed them? Oh, no, I, I checked it. The first page it showed up. Oh, okay. Uh, Get you. Yeah. Because I was going to say, there's no way I could have remembered his name was Craig. I, I, was, I, was, I was being sly. I was being sly. Uh, so basically, m- much like uh, the first issue of Stephanie Brown Batgirl, uh, some punks try to mug Barbara. And all I could think of was, man, Gotham's a shithole. Like, who, who decides to mug someone in a wheelchair? Like, there's usually a, like a, a slight honor code, at least. <laughs> like easy, easy targets, aren't they, usually? Uh, well, usually. Babs is a bit more... Uh, She's the exception to the rule. Yeah. Uh, and of course, she does kind of feel a little bit where she gets knocked out into the road and almost gets hit by a car. And uh, you know, this this guy comes out, and that leads to kind of the rest of the plot. Um, there, I mean, the, the ultimate reveal of this is a bit convoluted <laughs> for my liking. That these goons had a plan the whole time, where this guy's one of them, and he wanted to gain her trust so she would take him back to her place, and then they could rob her entire apartment. Like it's such a convoluted plan. Now, I I love the the sheer arrogance and the egotistical nature of this man that is like whoever we pick i'm good i can get by to their apartment on the first date no problem <laughs> if that's the plan on a regular basis yeah yeah i, I it's really cool like, don't get me wrong i was glad i turned out to be a villain because he was been a slimy prick the entire time i'm like he better be a villain because he's awful yeah. <laughs> i hate him he better be a villain uh uh, whereas the Dinah plot is more that her husband is saying that he's on the run because he was doing, you know, taxis or, you know, the money books for this uh, company. It turned out to be part of the an organized crime and they're after him. But then, you know, the, the twist there is that it turns out that he actually stole like a, an encryption key from them so he could take the money for himself. So he's not an innocent victim like he claims he is. So Dinah's kind of falling for him a little bit over the issue. But then when she finds this out, it's like, nah, you're on your own <laughs> and just kind of leaves him. Uh, yeah eventually so and babs has been taken out for dinner and then the ultimate thing where she's and you know babs's final scene is quite fun because she turns off the light and puts on her night vision goggles and it sets up during the issue that her wheelchair developed a squeak because of when it got knocked over i actually really appreciate one of the the villains you know shines the 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 torch when she's in the night vision goggles to try you know this Mm. you know realizes what's going on and tries to counteract it no but it sets up that her wheelchair developed a squeak and she uses that as a tactic at the end because she sort of rolls out the wheelchair he hears a squeak and he turns around and attacks it but then no she's obviously she's just moved to a new wheelchair because she's got more than one uh really simple stuff but it, it kind of showed them both having to kind of deal with their problems in different ways um, and then ultimately at the end and like I say the art and the issue is probably at its best during that night vision sequence uh, really fun stuff yeah uh, but uh, yeah so at the end of the issue it's kind of them uh, Dinah like calls her and says hey are you there Babs and she's like yeah I'm here and they're both kind of like eating like comfort food they're both eating ice cream and they realise they're kind of similar and Babs admits to hey maybe I need to let you sort of use your instincts sometimes I, I can't always you know order and dictate you know to a T you have to you know, make your own call in the field, and they kind of respect each other, and it ends with a, you know, them just kind of looking at their ice cream, and uh, yeah. It's a play- I think what I like about this this little run so far of uh, Birds of Prey is that even though they've all been kind of separate things, there has been this through line of their kind they of attitude with each other. Building each yeah. other, yeah. There is a there is a plan in mind. This wasn't just random. Yeah. Uh, so we got one more one shot, I think, left in the in the first big yeah. trade. 
I will say I'm ready for the one shots to be over and done with. And you just gonna have normal issues, yeah. Well, we're almost normal there. Issues. We have it's, one because uh, my complaint with at least this one and the last one as well, I think, is they're just too long um, mm. for for what the story is. I f I feel it being stretched out, even in this one where it's two completely separate full plots, but essentially, but between the pair of them. And I'm just like, this doesn't need to be this long. You could do this in, in half the page count and still be as effective. Yeah. So, yeah, we got one more one-shot, and then we're actually on to the, the book proper. We're on to Birds of Prey issue one. Uh, so, not normal issues from that point on, uh, barring an annual here or there or whatever. But, yeah. uh, you know, so that's cool. Uh, you know, I, I enjoyed this well enough. Um, I probably agree, it's, again, it's, it's a little bit too long for what it is. But... No, in a way that it was painful by any means. I don't think like it, you know, like I think their demeanor, the way they were, the, the, their interactions were were amusing enough for the most part. Uh, watching them kind of get their own at the end of the issue and then sort of come back together on the phone call. Mm. Like I, I think all that stuff worked uh, well enough. I mean, would it have worked better with like ten less pages? I mean, probably, but uh, it, it wasn't like I was sitting there going, "Oh my god, this is torture." As I was reading, that. you know, it's everything's pleasant enough to get through. Yeah, it's not the worst thing ever. Like I say, I think it's just it's just over long for what it should be, what it needs to be. Yeah, uh, and that's okay as well. It uh, didn't stand out in particular. Uh, there's some fun pages and moments, and some of the fights are good. Uh, yeah, sometimes it's the odd panel here or there that looks a bit off, but yeah. uh, not 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 terribly so. Yeah, uh, what are you giving it? Uh, I'm giving it a six point five. Yeah, I'm gonna give it a seven. That was kind of the number I had in my head the whole time. So. Uh, there you go, that's Birds of Prey Wolves, uh, which will take us on to JSA issue 7. Uh, Jeff Johns and David Goyer writing with Stephen Sadowski on the art. And this is the start of, I think it's a two-parter. That's just from memory, though, admittedly. So, I mean, I can't be doing that for the whole run. But I've read this part of the run before, so <laughs> I think it's a two-parter. Uh, I mean, I've read the whole run before, but I couldn't tell you which one's a... I just, many parts. I mean, it's at least a two-parter because it's you know it's not over. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, I know it's at least two, but I mean, if you if this ends up being three or four, I mean, sure, I don't think it is because I know we've got the wildcat issue in this in this trade uh, yeah, as well, and it's but... coming soon. It has to be coming soon. Uh, yeah. If anything, it may it may actually happen concurrently with what happens in this, or at least the, at least the next issue. It, it might be. Yeah, yeah, when they're all away doing this, that's when he's having his little adventure. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, it's called Darkness Falls, uh, this little uh, arc, which, not to be confused with the horrible uh, 2003 horror film starring Emma Caulfield, who, of course, was on the hit television show Buffy the Vampire. No, 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 no. You, you, you already had your, you had your Buffy reference. There's no quota, there's no quota. So there's a tease at the start of the issue of, like, Dinah running from something, right? And she's diving out of a window, she goes through a flag, lands in a car, feels quite brutal. Uh, there's shadows... Yeah, she she tries punching at one point. She yeah. punches straight through. Yeah, the shadows chasing her. She tries punching. Uh, it's super intimidating. And one the, of them... the shadows are really recognizable in this twisted, demented way. Yeah, one's clearly Jay Garrick. One's clearly our man. One's clearly Hot Girl. Uh, so it teases us, and it says, "Okay, earlier that morning, we come back, and it's actually Jade we start on. Jade, uh, who's got like a sort of link to her brother Todd." Uh, yeah, and Obsidian for anyone who's not. This is one of these weird things as you're reading this these issues is like yeah, there's a lot of connections with these characters that it's hard to kind of keep track of. If it's your first time, and even I, you know, having read this before, like I'm like, okay, I'm just remembering. Okay, so brother, sister, they're both Alan's. I think that's one of the kids. things that this issue is so good at is okay. So we're three panels onto this page. We'll, we'll introduce her. So she wakes up. She's cutting herself, and you're like, who's this? 
and then it, you know she looks at the picture and it's, mm -hmm. it's her and and obsidian and it says todd and you know you've got alan scott there behind them and you know it's okay and she talks about you know him being her brother and it's like okay it's clearly saying this is a family portrait yeah yeah uh, uh... It's... And, then, and then even by the end of this page, she's on the phone saying, is Alan there? Tell him it's his daughter. So it's like yeah. all of this is there on that first page. And amusingly, the very next page is also a family connection because it's Hector coming in to talk to Kendra. He said, oh, technically we're cousins <laughs> because, you know. <laughs> she wants nothing to do with it. Yeah, oh yeah, she's not interested in even listening to this. She wants to be left alone. Uh, and we have a bit of, we talked about the video store dating the Birds of Prey issue a little bit. Uh, here, Stargirl's trying to watch uh, Felicity. Uh, on the TV, which there was a show called Felicity. It's not just some weird omen of uh, the the Arrow TV show, but it, obviously there's a weird, mm. there's a weird like jolt you get by hearing that name now. If you if you had to suffer through in, that, in, in reference to anything <laughs> DC related, yeah. Uh, but she's upset that the TV's not working properly, um, <laughs> because there's going to be a there's a like a, a news a news yeah. broadcast. So like, how do I fix this? It's like well they're not broadcasting it, so you can't fix it. It's an emergency news broadcast. You just have to wait it out. Yeah, so basically, uh, uh, what city was it actually? Uh, uh, it's in uh, Milwaukee. So it's a state, not a no. Not Milwaukee. Yeah, it's a city. Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Yeah. That's in Wisconsin. Yeah. Uh, I just questioned myself for a second: Is Milwaukee a state or a city? It's a city. <laughs> I was like a hundred percent sure it was a city until you said, "Or is it a state?" And then I went. Yeah, do, it? Do, do, do you know what it is? It's because I immediately thought of Wayne's World because in Wayne's World they're in Milwaukee. Uh, Wisconsin, and I just I had a moment, I had a moment, but anyway, right? So uh, basically, there's no shadows in the city, which is really it's. Do you know what? Do you know what the sad part of this is is that so much comic art will cheat and not bother with shadows that I almost feel that like this premise would actually work better as an episode of a TV show or a movie because the visual of it would be so surreal on film. Yeah, and do you know what bothers me even more? Yeah. Is that it? Actually, looks like there is still shadows, like more than usual. <laughs> like, so I'm noticing it. So uh, we get there, um, and uh, it's Kendra's wings, and it's the way she's stood. They're casting a shadow between themselves, and I get the artist has to do this to show that illusion of depth. Mm -hmm. I understand why that's there because otherwise, this image just looks flat and wrong, and it doesn't work for us. Yeah, but, but I'm kind of going. That's, that's clearly a shadow there. Before we get there, though, they've got a, sh a little shuttle thing that takes them to their, their aircraft hangar where uh, the Courtney's stepdad, Pat, has worked on a jet <laughs> for them to get uh, around. Very X-Men, this, isn't it? Yeah. Do you know what I love about this? Is that we're still kind of in the early days of this run and they're still setting up kind of like w what the status quo is. And, you know, they've got a headquarters, they've got a jet now. Like, they're really setting this up. Stripes there in one panel, just kind of hanging out. Um... So they set all this up, and like you say, they go to Milwaukee, and they go to uh, uh, Tim Rice, I want to say his name is, uh, Jim. Jim Rice, uh, the stepdad, uh, who's not been great to, to Todd, uh, but they find, like, in his chair, because this was teased a couple issues ago, the, the, the cliffhanger, uh, was teased in a little epilogue scene, and that he's actually there as a shadow. Like, there's no shadows in the entire city, but there's a there's, there's like a living shadow, or uh, living's maybe not the right word, but just a shadow of a man as a full figure just sitting in this chair. And of course, we get this creepy moment where it smiles at them. Like, you just you see the it mouth opens open, the eyes. It's you just yeah. see the, the eyes and the and the teeth, and it's like, well, that's terrifying as shit. And it it, it swallows uh, Alan, uh, Alan Scott. It just swallows him into into his body. 
Uh, and then that's where the, the issue really gets going, where these shadow demons start going around, and it infects, you know, a few of the, the members first. Uh, Jay, uh, our man in Sand are the first to get attacked, I think. Um, yeah. And then it spreads to more of them. So clearly, we, we can already start to see how this is going to get to the point where we're at the opening, where, you know, Black Canary's on her own, kind of running from shadowed versions of the uh, the various members. Uh, and then inside the, the shadow lands, I think they call it, uh, you got Alan with uh, Jim Race in there, and he's terrified. Um, outside, you know, Courtney and... and uh, you know, uh, Am Smasher are trying to like save people, but at this point, some of the the characters are already evil. Uh, That's uh, one of my favorite panels. Is Al just looking at? He's, he's holding the car up. And he just looks over his shoulder and says, "Oh no!" Mm-hmm. And you just see these shadows of of Kendra and Jay there, and it's terrifying. They're so demonic. Oh yeah, and then Obsidian finally shows up, and he's he's there. Uh, he's like, "Don't worry, Al. It'll all be over soon." Yeah. Um, so yeah, uh, and then we get Ian Carkle, and this is one of these things where I'm sure if like you want to do your history searching and find out, you know, all these old comics where these things appear, I'm sure they all there. I'm sure they all exist. But this is my my only, you know, or my first like introduction to Ian Carkle. So <laughs> yeah, me too. but I mean, it works. It gives you everything that you need here. Yeah, yeah. So no, that's good. He feeds on on shadows, uh, you know, uh, like Mister Races, uh, and. You know, basically, he's uh, he's working with Todd here. Um, and they, they, they make up a point of letting us know as well. You know, Alan explains it to the team that Todd uh, has mental health problems and he's always kind of struggled with them. And this is kind of what's been exploited by this uh, Carcal character uh, here. But you know, he's trying. He's you know, Alan's trying his best, and he just he, he can't quite do, you know win because you know this is his world that he's in. He, he, there's nothing yeah. he can do. Um. And, you know, he's like, oh, what did you do to my son? He's like, oh, nothing he secretly desired, you know, or nothing that he didn't secretly desire. Uh, yeah. So, really good stuff. So, uh, you have Atom Smasher, Black Canary, and Stargirl sort of, like, tied up in the shadow sort of, you know, tendrils uh, while the rest are working with Obsidian. And Stargirl's like, I think I can blast uh, the back of your restraints, uh, Black Canary, which leads to, the you know, the opening with her running from everyone. And the big cliffhires, you know, we sort of skip ahead to the end of the chase. You know, we don't go through the same beats. I I really appreciate that because it would have been easy to kind of show us a different, a slight different version of that. Yeah. With showing us what's chasing her, and you know, fill up your page count if you'd wanted to do that. But yeah. it just cuts ahead, just says this is now, and it's right back where we left off. Yeah, and out of nowhere, there's like a, you know, she's getting grabbed by all these shadow figures. It's proper horror movie stuff, and there's it's a just bl- a hand coming out of the blackness. Yeah, and there's a, there's just a blast of white light. And she looks up, and I love the just the detail. She has to use her hand to like cover her eyes because it's too much light. And there's an actual shadow as yeah. well, like, which you know makes sense here. It, it works really well. And the final page is the reveal of who's shown up here, and it is Doctor Midnight. Who I had actually, I didn't even realize he hadn't shown up yet. I remember him being a member of the team, and I just didn't occur to me. Oh yeah, he's not been around yet. <laughs> like oh yeah, 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 yeah. Doctor Midnight, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so he's shown up to help, and that's a big cliffhanger going to the next issue. So we're still building more members of the team. We're still adding more to the, the roster. Uh, oh, it's a, it's a pretty huge team by the end. It I mean, is, yeah. People go in and out, don't be wrong. But in terms of the, the total collective of potential members at any time, it's uh, unwieldy. Yeah, so... No, really good stuff again. Like, I'm, I'm loving the team building. I'm getting the dynamics. Just I, like I, one of the pairings that I'm really liking so far is uh, Star Girl and Wildcat. Just that's a couple of times now they've had little interactions between them. Uh, they just kind of yeah. play really well. So, you know, when she's trying to you know mess with the TV and he comes out and he's crutches. Uh, a couple of issues ago it was when she was cutting the ribbon. Uh, it may have been last issue, the issue before, but I think that was last issue. Yeah. Uh, 
uh, all, all all really good stuff um i love delving into the family life of like alan scott and you know i expect we'll do that with a lot of the other characters as we go obviously kendra's going to get a lot of time soon and um, we get into the hawk stuff but mm-hmm. um r- really digging all the world building and like we say the art the art's really solid especially here it has to be very very inventive here because it's doing these like d- you know these pitch black shadow people and then this world without shadows so it's kind of the opposite <laughs> so, it's uh it's some real nice contrast going on there um, yeah some, some really solid work yeah what are you giving it uh, I'm gonna give it a. Mm, I'm gonna give it an eight, just about. Yeah, I'm gonna agree with it as well. So, uh, really solid stuff. Uh, so that'll take us on to Superman issue one six one. This is Jeff Loeb writing with Ed McGuinness on the art, and this is kind of the the. You know, this is the funny thing. I remember, like a bunch of times earlier on. You kept saying that technically this is two arcs that are kind of put together, and honestly, having read now the, the first part of the second half, I'm like, no, it's one big arc. I, I don't. No, agree. it is, and I. It was always it's it's called two separate arcs, and I don't understand why they ever made that choice. I think that was a bad decision on yeah, their part because the, the the entire first half is building to reveal that the Joker's behind it all, and then it just goes on from there. Like it's it's all one thing. Yeah, I I, I felt like I, said, I think that's a a a poor marketing um angle to name it separately yeah i don't know maybe that's just me but mm. it did it just it seems like a bad choice to me so this is what part six yeah part six of nine yeah yeah uh so superman uh starts off all apocalypse now coming out of the water <laughs> uh and he's with superboy supergirl uh he's actually using his heat vision in a really demonic looking page to uh kill the robotic fish or the the fish that the joker's got in there because they're, they're all laughing yeah, they're, fish yeah they're like jokerized piranha yeah um and there's a whole moment where he thinks aquaman's came to help him uh but he's not he's just kind of happened to be there uh with aqua long lad which is, is, is an amusing little joke i'll i'll give them that uh no you don't think that was amusing he's, he's... i mean it's it's not my style of comedy. This that's fair. Um, but I'm not, I'm not, I mean, I was mailed amused by Harley arguing for a piece of the world for herself, and then as soon as Joker killed, because Joker's like, "Where's Lex?" and then realizes, "Oh yeah, I killed Lex." So he brings him back with Mixie's powers, and then immediately shoots him again. <laughs> Which, you know, I, I appreciate in in concept what what that is. Uh, but yeah, so you've, you've got the supers with Lois uh, and Steel included. Uh, going in to try and you know take care of things and uh, the various characters show up you know the uh, the jonah hex uh style character bounty uh, there you go bounty i'm learning the names how, how could i ever forget bounty uh how dare you ignition shows up uh blast the other super members superman gets pissed uh bizarro shows up superman kind of talks bizarro out of getting involved uh in a weird way yeah, it's um, a little. Um, I'm not entirely sure how. Yeah, uh, Lois uh, looks. I mean, it's it's kind of appearing like she's making a heel turn here, where she goes to joke and says, "I want to make a proposition." But I feel like this is, you know, it's going to be like it looks bad, but then it'll turn out she's actually playing him to ultimately. Almost save certainly, the day. yeah. Uh, Superman's concerned because they're in Gotham because he wants to find Batman because that's the one Justice League member he can't find. And the big reveal at the end of the issue is that Batman's dead. And he's he's been nailed to the outside of uh, uh, the Gotham Police Department, and like I suppose in one way it makes sense that Joker would do this, but in the same time it doesn't because 
kind of like at least for a lot of us our favorite interpretation of the joker is that he actually is in, kind of in love with batman and loves having to play with uh yeah i mean admittedly that's a it's a bit more of a modern approach and this I suppose. it's weird this this isn't that long ago this is 2000 mm-hmm. um, I, I just gonna show you how how quickly that established take of the joker of oh you know they're, they're, there's this that, that love love connection of you know they need each other uh, in joker's mind how quickly that's kind of set in as the established yeah, version and i mean it, it's it's only over that last 15 20 years i'm sure it existed before this maybe it just wasn't the the one that everyone goes to like you know yeah as, whereas as, now it is the go-to thing which and i like it so i, I mean i'm happy to go to it but um uh, I, yeah. I think it makes joker more interesting it doesn't want to kill batman you know uh, i think storytellers like it because it means they don't have to come up with stupid ways for joker not to win i mean that's fair but i i do genuinely think it makes joker a more interesting character that he doesn't want to kill yeah. batman i no I, I agree yeah so you know it's one of those things where you know when i saw dark knight for the first time and it was that more like you know it's simple we killed a batman and i'm like yeah, okay all right but of course the whole point is is that by the time we get that meeting in the room in the police station he's like no, i don't want to kill you <laughs> like you know yeah, and, and also even at that point in the movie they don't have any relationship yeah, not yet yeah yeah it's not until like he actually sort of goes up against them and sort of interacts with them that that kind of forms and, but and also just i know we're not really here to talk about that movie but sure. the, the the idea there that he says you know it's simple you kill the batman that's that's their solution to the problem oh, at yeah. no point does he say it's what he wants to it's just this is what oh, you exactly need to do. yeah yeah he, he he's, he's he's selling them a, a product essentially and that's his, yeah. his his pitch um yeah well i mean <sighs> We, we, we clearly don't like this arc very much. We've been down on it since the second issue, uh, even though I don't think this one, the last one, have been as bad. Like, I think this this issue was a quick enough read versus some of those earlier issues that I hated, which were, like, a chore to get through. But I wouldn't say I like it that I mean, it's, it's, you know, it's suffered enough that at this point I don't really like it that much. I mean, there's the odd little joke I'll chuckle at, but... I think, yeah, I like this one the most in a long time just because it had really nice art still. I, I'd like Ed McGuinness. Sure, sure, sure. Um, um, but the, nice colorful, the sad truth is, is that he's probably not going to be back now. No, this is probably it. Yeah. We, we got three issues to suffer through. <laughs> yes, uh, and more than that, we'll be telling you what the, the next vote is at the end of the show. So uh, uh, look forward to that. Um, but yeah, we we given this issue. Let's just move on. Five point five. Because we're just going to end up talking about Dark Knight more if we, if we try and talk about this. Uh, yeah, yeah. I'm more positive. I'll go with six. <laughs> so much more positive. I, I chuckled at Aqualong Ladder, right? I'll give it a six. <laughs> and also the double kill on uh, Lex was also slightly amusing. Uh, so, okay. Uh, so, this is our final book of the week, which is Batgirl Issue 4 by Brian Q. Miller and art by Lee Garbett and Tim Levin. So, it's a shameless two artists. It's not just Garbett all the way through. And I could, I could notice the difference uh, as I was. I mean, it's not, not that the art was bad, it just wasn't as good. <laughs> Mm. you know that's, that's yeah, what, I get the, the classic the classic conundrum uh, so yeah this is Batgirl as Batgirl she's in full got her own costume you know uh, she's struggling with schoolwork and like you know lying to her mother and be like yeah I'll take it easy mum I'll do my studies and of course she's not actually lying about having a lot of homework but she's still going to go do Batgirl stuff anyway uh, so and Babs is properly one, you know 100% being her oracle now and uh, you know, there's, there's a lot of joke here actually. Where she's where she's like, is there an iPod jack for this thing? Even even this has got a dated thing where nowadays like iPods are kind of gone. 
Like this is obviously much further than videotapes. Yeah, yeah. This is this is only ten years ago. It's funny. As opposed to- it's funny. Could think about it. We talked in uh, in Birds of Prey about the video store, right? And all the nineties action stars, and then. Around ninety nine two thousand in JSA, you had the the Felicity on TV, right? Uh, it's just really funny to me that then this, you know, two thousand nine, two thousand eight, well, probably two thousand eight. This issue, uh, no, two thousand nine. Two thousand nine. Started in two thousand nine. Yeah, I'm thinking it ended two thousand nine. Yeah, two thousand nine. Uh, you know, she references an iPod, and now, like, and I miss that the iPod. I do. I like my iPod, but you know, that's what it is. Um, the, the sad reality is. Don't really need one anymore. <laughs> uh, well, to be fair, when I love my iPod, my phone was not as advanced. And well, well, that's the thing now, isn't it? Like yeah. most people now have a phone that far exceeds any iPod. Yeah. Um. So, yeah. So Babs is like, you just have to hum. And I actually, I love the art in that that panel. This this blank stare, and I love that it's identical to the previous panel. So it just it gives you this idea of a staring at her. It just it's really just deadpan. It's. It's the amount of times that I stare at you whenever you just do a shitty <laughs> pun, where I just stare at you and be like, no, nope, not having this shit. Yeah, it's just a deadpan uh, delivery of the line that you get from the I, art. I, I could relate to that. Yeah. Um, but you can tell the art changes, though, because the immediate next page, it feels a little bit different. Uh, and then Babs in the following page feels different to the Babs that was on that first couple of pages. But hey, uh, it is what it is. Uh, so Steph, you know, goes around the city, gets some, you know, some, uh, you know, burglars. She, she fights someone on the top of a tour bus going through the city. Although it's they, a proper, like, open top tour bus yeah. but with a with a, like a bat symbols on it oh i have to question uh city tour at midnight it's a bit weird hey if you want to spot the batman i, I suppose yeah i suppose if you're out to see it's, the batman that's clearly what this bus is it's, a, it's the bus mm. to, to spot the batman yeah I, I do love that the little girls no it's batgirl and she gets all excited I, uh yeah i kind of love the idea that there's a, a tour bus <laughs> going hey come spot batman that's, that, <laughs> that's what you come to gotham for it's like Jurassic Park, but for vigilantes. Uh, I, I I love the joke at the bottom of this when she lands and she sort of lands on her knees and her ass is sticking out into the air and she's like, at least they got my good sake because they're all taking photos of her. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that, no, that's Bab saying it to her. Uh, oh, sorry, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, Bab says it to her, yeah. But I mean, the, yeah. the, the point remains. The joke's the same. Yeah, the yeah. joke's the same. Uh, really good stuff. Um, but the little girl gives her a, a, a little, you know, to keep up the good work in her ear. And it's a really sweet little moment. And she looks properly like, oh, like, sucked by it. But then the, the, main, the main story there, she kind of kicks in and the power goes out behind her. The entire city goes out. Uh, it's like, okay, so what's you know, what's going on there? Uh, we have to try and figure out what's happening. Uh, meanwhile, uh, that detective, whose name, Nick. There you go. He's Nick. The love interest is. Uh, he's uh, Gordon grabs him and says, we need to go. Uh... And go. And actually, there's a lovely little parallel here to uh, Babs and Steph, uh, where uh, earlier on when she went to fight one of the the the, the burglars, uh, Steph, uh, Babs like over the comms had a one liner, right? You know, based on what he just said. And Steph's like, oh, you can at least give me like a, a chance to say something cool like that. And I love because I, I you know I keep saying this is like Batgirl. Uh, you know, Buffy is Batgirl, right? Is kind of the the way I compare this. And you know, Buffy always had the one liner, right? And that's like she wanted to do the one liner, and she's pissed she couldn't. It does yeah. it again here with Nick and uh, with Gordon. Um, you know, uh, where you know so, something uh, they have to go to the baseball. The, the, whatever villains causing the the blackout is at the baseball field. Um, and he's like, oh, let me think of a a good baseball zinger. And Gordon just says, leave it in the bullpen. And he's, he says the same thing. At least give me a chance to like, you know, say the cool stuff. And he's like, old yeah. habits. And so I I love the idea that uh, both Babs and Jim, you know, father daughter, uh, are having the same 
like problem with their young proteges. Uh, it's yeah. just good stuff. Uh, Babs, uh, that, that, that Wendy is uh, you know insisting on trying to rehab herself to walk again, even though she, you know, physically shouldn't be able to ever, uh, and she won't let herself fail. So Babs kind of tries to like help her out and give her like a a, a talk, bit of a pep talk. Try and hey, yeah. don't be so angry. It's the little details I love about this. I love when they emphasize the difference between Batgirl and, and Batman, especially particular to the, the, the Bat that we're looking at, because I, I wouldn't expect this from Cass. Maybe from Babs, but definitely not Cass. But they do the uh, the Batman Begins, uh, like, here, you know, when he's upside down. You know, the Batman Begins when the when he takes on the, the guys at the docks. Even at a docks, we're, we're literally at a cargo dock right now. And yep. Batman's upside down, and the guys get the guys like, you know, where are you? And he, he's like, here, right? And it's this creepy, you know, Batman moment, right? I loved it in this. Steph's upside down. She's got a big giant grin on her face. She says, tag. <laughs> it's just the difference. It's just a little difference. Yeah. Her version yeah, of it. Cool. I love it. Uh, it's good stuff. Uh, so, you know, and she, there's a little joke here as well where she, she gets, it's just like a, you know, a mugging. And she, when she gets the purse, she, she looks inside to see who it is to who you have to give it back to. And it's her mum's purse. So instead of handing it to her, she just sort of throws it at, at her. <laughs> It's quite a funny view where it's it's a mum, uh, you know, giving the report to the police. And yeah. like, what did the purse look like? And it just goes flying across behind her and smacks the window with a great whap sound effect. Yeah, and it's just like um, that. Yeah, uh, the baseball field, which does have lights because they've got a uh, like a backup chair or whatever. Uh, like they find like a burned employee. Uh, pretty grim, pretty grim stuff. Mm. Um, and. Uh, Steph's doing a little bit of her spider manning. She's eating a candy bar in costume, uh, just sitting up, up on a flagpole, as you do. Uh, great panel at the bottom of the page here, though, uh, because some big electrical occurrence happens. There's a big orb of lightning in the city, and she sort of dashes off to it. There's a great panel at the bottom where it's just like her in silhouette with a cape. It's actually very similar to that year one panel of uh, Batman on the, the city, the, the, the rooftop. Uh, I can see what you mean. I mean, just in the sense that the cape's kind of flowing the same way. It's a very similar, you know. Yeah. Yeah, I'm with you. Uh, bat spraying to action. Uh, so, you know, and Wendy has a sort of uh, dramatic moment. She sort of falls over uh, when she's trying to, you know, walk in the beams and Babs tries to help her and she breaks down and starts crying. So, you know, they're kind of building this Wendy stuff up for, for later, obviously. We're not quite at what the, the point yeah. of it is yet. Um, biggest critique of the art of the issue is definitely this here where it mm. really emphasizes on her ass when she's down on the ground, breaking down in tears. Yeah, not a time. Like, yeah, like play play your moment. Like at least when they're doing it with like the superheroes in costume, like you know they're in a big action moment. I get it. I like I understand. Like that's that's the moment that you're you're choosing to do it, right? Yeah. This here, not the moment. Yeah. So yeah, it turns out to be a live wire. Uh, is behind all this. Uh, my favorite moment of the issue, definitely, easily, is yeah. Gordon and Nick are like behind their car, sort of taking cover. And Steph kind of grapples past them and just sort of waves at Nick and says, Hey, you. And Gordon turns and goes, Hey, you. And he's like, No one raises an eyebrow when you talk to Batman. And he's like, I'm pretty sure Batman's legal detective. <laughs> <laughs> I cracked feel. I, I love this moment so much. Uh, so, it's, so this much. This is like my favorite moment of the run so far, frankly. Yeah. Uh, and the fact is, is, we know she, she is legal. She's in college, right? I mean, or if, yeah, she, yeah. if she isn't, she's about to. Like, there's no way she's like much younger than 18. She has to be like I mean, hitting it. You have to be, right? Yeah. No, you have to be. Yeah. I mean, 
it, well, it depends what part of the school year the, the, the cutoff is for the age, I suppose, but, like... Does it? Well, obviously, here you'd always have to be 18, but I, I don't know about... I'm it, assuming that you'd always have to be... Because surely you'd have to be 18 by the, by the way it works. Probably. Probably. Anyway, we know, we know she is, right? But obviously, yeah. she's she's just of age because she just started college lately. She's she's young, is yeah. the point. Here. Yeah, she's young. So to Garden, like, yeah, she, she looks borderline, is what he's saying. The, the point here is she's very clearly Batgirl and not Batwoman. Yes, yes. Um, and Livewire's all cocky. Like, you know you know why I fight Superman, right? Like you, you, like, you don't have a taupe in hell. But of course, she actually, you know, sprays her with water, uh, has a hydrant, uh, although she does talk about, uh, she she hopes the boots will uh, protect her ankles. She's like, oh god, this is gonna hurt. Uh, That's a, a great little lettering touch as well. Is is you know, it's just on repeat with no spaces. Yeah, and you, you kind of get exactly what it's saying. It doesn't take much deciphering because it's a really nice font. Uh, actually, I love the payoff to this fight where you know because it builds up because Livewire has that line. I fight Superman, you know that, right? And like she takes her down with the waters. So, okay, she's kind of got a good lick in there, but she's not won the fight yet. And Livewire blasts her with the lightning and. It's kind of this, like, this repeated panels going down the page of, like, Steph sort of holding her hands up going, oh, no, I'm getting hit! And it just sort of keeps going, and at the bottom of the page, she sort of just looks down at herself and, like, oh, I guess, you know, she's like... <laughs> Livewire's like, guess the suit's insulated her. She's like, guess it is. <laughs> yeah, it seems like, seems like this went quite well. Um, it, it's, it's almost kind of like that moment in Avengers where uh, Thor lights up Iron Man, and obviously it's a bit different because he's like, oh, it, it energized the suit, but it's kind of a similar beat. Just it didn't kind of go as, yeah. as planned. And yeah. this here, so you're going to punch me now? And, and and then she finally gets a one-liner in, hasn't yeah. Um And then the visual of Steph being draped across a car, drinking coffee or whatever. Uh, yeah. And but Babs, Babs, who's a science or computer science teacher now, is like, well, you've got homework to do. <laughs> I really, I really crap me up. Uh, but it's done, of course, and her mum tries to wake her up for school. Uh, it's 6am, maybe. So so she, she hadn't even went to fight Livewire yet at midnight. So she she got home... I mean, actually, it was 5.20 when she was talking to Babs. It tells you in the previous page. So she, she's she been home for at most, like, 35 minutes. At most. <laughs> and her mum's waking her up for school. And she's like, you know, get out. And she's like, no, no, give me a few more minutes. And it just ends with her saying, ah, the first few nights are always the hardest, which was said earlier on. And she shuts the door, and that's the end of the issue. Yeah. I actually think that, that that it's it's one page too many. Like that that like beat where it's you know just uh, the Babs and Stephanie. You know, we've earned a little quiet. <clears throat> I think that's the beat it should have ended on. Personally, I have no issue with the the final page. I I think this issue is kind of perfect. And the, the first three issues were the arc of her becoming Batgirl. And this issue is like here's a one off standalone adventure of showing everything you can expect from this run. It shows you. You know, Bab's been her full-on, you know, person in the chair. It shows you how Wendy's going to factor in. It shows your mum being a main character. It shows you Nick and Gordon's involvement, it, you know, and how they relate to Steph. It, it gives you a taste of everything that the run's now going to be from this point on. So I, I think is that is that almost like a like the second pilot in a way. It really yeah. works in that sense. Uh, I get it. Uh, I think because we got the, the like a little page at the start about being at home and you know the homework. I didn't really need this one at the end as well. Like. I get there thinking, oh, I bookends it. I understand where it's coming from. I just think the moment of of the previous page has just a, a better, Im- more impactful ending for me. Yeah, okay, okay. All right, then, what are you giving it? Uh, I'll give it an eight point five. <laughs> Still gonna get rate it higher than anything else this week. Uh, it's very. No, excellent. that's not true. I give a nine to, ba- to Batman. 
Oh, so you did, so you did, so you did. Uh, I'm also going to give it an 8.5. I think it might be, it would have been the 9 probably if it was garbage the whole time on art. I think the shift in art uh, is what takes it down that half point. Yeah, even if it had just been the other art the entire issue, there's just a, a page where it shifts back, here mm. or there where it's just like, ah, uh, I can tell and that's worse. Yeah. All right, there you go. Uh, so we'll pick our, our best and worst of the week, I think, then. Uh, and best art as well, I think we've been doing. So uh, do do best art first. Um, um, what you got? Is it Batman? I mean, it, it, <laughs> it's, it's the only other even potential contender, frankly, is Wonder Woman. Uh, but yeah, it's Batman. Yeah, it's Batman. I'm picking Batman. Uh, worst of the week uh, is it Superman 161. Yeah, how'd you guess? <laughs> I, I think I'm also going to go with Superman 161. Oh, to be fair, that and Wonder Woman are a bit more on par for me this time. But I mean, yeah, I'll still probably go with Superman. I mean, I, I had Wonder Woman at an 8.5. Obviously, yeah. So. <laughs> and then the best of the week, I'm assuming it's Batman. I think it might be. Yeah, Batman. Yeah, Batman wins. Uh, because Batman, we're not, we're not predictable at all. Are we? <laughs> in, in our defence, it is year one. Yeah, so, well, sometimes it'll be more like, oh, there's clearly two that c- could be uh, more, but you know, it was clearly going to be Batman for the, the main but categories here. If, if you took out Batman, like, let's just assume we were on a an issue of Detective this week, <laughs> right? Okay, but, but everything else had been the same. I'd be having a fight between Wonder Woman and Batgirl. Like, genuinely, like, for me, those would have been pretty close. And I'd be like, okay, well, which one do I pick? I think I'd have been having a fight between Flash, JSC, and Batgirl. I feel like I'd have, I'd have had a like a three for there on my hand. But, yeah. uh, but as I, I mean, obviously, I rated Batgirl a, a little bit higher, so I guess I, I would have picked that. But you know, it, it's but much it closer. Clear, like, yeah. Where it's just no, it's Batman. Yeah, yeah, Batman wins lol. Uh, so <laughs> pretty much. Don't tell Matt. <laughs> Alright, so before we go then, uh, obviously I always plug Patreon and thank our Patreon producer, so I'll do that quickly here. I'll thank David Sharp, Alison M. Fordyce, Cindy Palacios, and Tyler Hess. Uh, they are $20 above patrons, meaning that they, they uh, get to be called out as producers. But uh, you can be a patron, of course, for as little as $1 per month, and that gets you access to some extra stuff. The $5 tier, of course, uh, you get access to all the all the multiverse shows uh, one day early, uh, and you also get to vote occasionally on what one of the slots are on this show. Uh, so, of course, we're actually only, what, three issues away now from finishing Superman Emperor Joker, meaning that we have to have a vote for what replaces that. And so we want to have that sorted before we get there. So uh, the vote will begin up... Uh, uh, very soon this week on patreon.com slash TV and uh, anyone in the $5 or above tiers can vote on that. Uh, the four options are as follows. And we went for a bit of a mix here for different things. Uh, so we have Batman Year 100, uh, sort of obviously tying it thematically into what we're talking about with Batman right now. Uh, we got Superman Red Sun. Uh, we have Shazam A New Beginning, which was kind of his post-crisis uh, kind of redone origin. Uh, and then we have... Uh, Zatanna uh, by Paul Denny, which is a little bit longer, but it's his, his run on Zatanna. Uh, so, yeah, so that's the four options. We went for some sort of different things. Uh, you know, get one bat, one super, and a couple of sort of more quirky picks. Uh, so, you can go vote for that. Uh, I mean, some of those are sh- obviously short ones. I think the Shazam one's only like four issues, so we'll have a, another I vote think, quite I think quickly. Redstone's technically only three issues, they're just like 50 page issues. That's, that is also true, yeah. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, we may have another vote in, in a month to replace if it happens to be one of the shorter picks. If not, then no worries, then uh, we'll go. But obviously, because we're going weekly now, we'll be going to the votes a little bit quicker than we were before. Uh, so, 
uh yeah uh, so that's that's what's going up uh, later this week along with the other votes to be put up there for the movie podcast uh yeah so that's what we're going to do um so yeah you know like and subscribe all the usual things get us on the twitters at dc comics podcast uh all that stuff uh but yeah hopefully you're having fun working through these runs with us and you uh you know uh, keep 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 up with us and uh you know we'll get you know hundreds of issues out of batman and you know whatever else we end up taking on so uh but that is uh that has been us that has been episode eight i think of previously in the multiverse uh we will see you next week like i say we're our weekly now uh, at least for the time being during the quarantine lifestyle uh although to be honest it might stay weekly for the most part uh even once we get past that uh rather than elsewhere coming back we may just keep this one going weekly we, we, we kind of got into the habit of this one now yeah um and we do we do kind of prefer dcs so i mean yeah, yeah. It? And, and also it's it's not like marvel are publishing anything right now <laughs> it's also true uh but yeah so uh thank you very much uh for joining us um you know let us know in the comments what you thought of the books if you happen to be reading along and i know some of you are uh so please do uh but that is us so thank you once again uh, for for watching or listening we always appreciate it keep reading dc comics guys and remember to watch felicity <laughs>